Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Up at Night. This is my fourth episode, I believe. If I'm wrong, sorry. I am in the middle of a very hectic week of school, but I wanted to make sure that I took the time to come and talk about a murder with y'all. So today I am, of course, in another closet. So shout out to uh, Andrew for letting me use his closet. It is hot in here and there is no air conditioning so I don't have to worry about that like I did last time. So just, that's fun. Uh, so, I keep on saying us, uh, so today I'm just gonna go ahead and jump right into the murder, which is the murder of a Playboy bunny named Dorothy Stratton. The trigger warnings for today's murder is the mention of a murder-suicide, statutory wait, <laughs> statutory wait. <laughs> the trigger warnings for today are a murder-suicide, statutory rape, and Playboy magazines. If you're uncomfortable with talking about Playboy magazines, this is not the episode for you. A lot of today's information I actually got from a feature article that I learned about in feature writing class. It is a Pulitzer Prize winner in 1980, written by Teresa Carpenter called Death of a Playmate. So thank you, Teresa Carpenter. And also the YouTube channel Amber Loves Mystery. I get a lot of my kind of research from YouTube channels lately just because, you know, I'm a college student. It helps me condense time if I, you know, have someone else do all the work for me. <laughs> I'm still doing work. I'm still doing something. It's just, you know, I don't have time to sit down and triple check everything I write. Today, we are going to be talking about Dorothy Stratton, who was born in Canada on February 28th, 1960. Was, she was born to Simon and Nellie Stratton, and she had two siblings, a little brother named John Arthur and a little sister named Lucille. So here's my little foreword about um, just talking about Playboy. Um, I'm not going to be talking about everything that Hugh Hefner did that was terrible because he was not a good guy, but he's also not the villain in this story. So I'm not gonna be referring to him as, you know, a bad dude. Just gonna be talking about him like he's a regular dude. But don't worry, I know the truth. Into the story. Dorothy Stratton. <laughs> it's been a long day. Dorothy Stratton had a very normal life. She grew up into a gorgeous teenage girl, but of course, as a gorgeous teenage girl, she was incredibly insecure and also bullied. What's kind of ironic is she was actually bullied for having like gorgeous and full lips, which is something that the Jenner girls paid top dollar for. So obviously she was a beauty way ahead of her time. She was slim, she had blonde hair and blue eyes. She really was a beautiful woman, and if you have never seen her before, definitely Google her, because she is gorgeous. As a high school student, she got a part-time job at Dairy Queen, which is actually where she met her future husband, Paul Snyder. As soon as Snyder saw Stratton, he was immediately smitten, and the other word to use would be conniving. Not only did he see a beautiful, albeit naive, girl, but he saw an opportunity to earn money. I need to put on my glasses, wait. 
I can't read this. Because Stratton was insecure due to bullying and being a teenage girl, as soon as Snyder began to shower the young girl in compliments, she was basically putty in his hands. Now, at the time that they met, Stratton was 17 and Snyder was 27, which just added to the thrill and or excitement of the new boyfriend in Stratton's eyes. Snyder was a nightclub promoter and was actually a big fan of those get-rich-quick schemes, like the current-day uh, MLB, MLM, multi-level marketing programs, MLB. You know, Major League Basketball, he's really into that. Because of this money he earned from them, he'd be able to buy Stratton clothes and jewelry just to kind of woo and win her affection. Snyder was actually also described by some as a pimp, so much so that family and friends even warned Stratton about what he did for a living, but there was actually no records or confirmations that she was pimped out, so to say. The weird thing about filming whenever you're in a cramped little closet, which is actually fairly big, I'm just deciding to cramp myself up, is that I constantly have to move around my legs so that I don't feel like I'm you know, dying. I wonder if I can just do the splits. Okay, so after seeing a casting call in Playboy for Your New Bunny, Snyder actually convinced Stratton to apply for the magazine. If you're familiar with the Playboy application process or just Playboy in general, for the application, you have to do a photo shoot in the nude for like, Part of, okay, I, I'm not quite sure if it all has to be in the nude or not, but I do know that some of it does. And I also know that in the US, you have to be 18 and older to apply in the early 70s. Then in Canada, which is where the pictures were actually taken, the legal age was 19. And as I have established, Stratton was 17. One of the workarounds for Playboy though, was you could have a legal guardian sign off on the photo shoot. So what did our good old Bud Snyder do? He forged Mama Stratton's signature and set his underage girl up for a nude photo shoot. I don't know if Stratton was like interested in actually becoming a model or not. Uh, that detail was never super disclosed. All I know, she was very insecure with her body, so that may have not been a very big like forefront thought in her mind. Uh, I would also guess that she was kind of pressured into it as at her first ever photo shoot, her photographer had to basically tell her how to pose because she was so stiff and nervous. Of course, she was able to kind of come out of her shell as the time progressed and her career as a bunny kind of took off. But at the beginning, she was definitely like very reserved. Also, I also feel like it is notable to mention that Snyder actually tried to do a similar thing with a stripper in 74. So this was not his first time to try and build a bunny. <laughs> it's like build a bear, but it's okay anyways. <laughs> in the summer of 1978, the photos were sent off to Playboy. And soon enough, Stratton and Snyder were off to Los Angeles for Stratton to be try and become a famous Playboy star. However, as a super shy girl, Playboy did see so much potential in Stratton. She showed up to test screens without makeup on and was still described as one of the most gorgeous girls in the house. She was eventually chosen as a finalist for the Playmate Hunt of 78, which just sounds so demeaning, but I'm not going to rant about it because this isn't what that podcast is about. 
right before I moved a shoe, <laughs> right before her big kind of star rocket to fame, and right whenever she was like on the cusp of being famous, her and Snyder actually got married. On June 1st, 1979, they had a rushed wedding that just cost $50, and it actually kind of attested to me at least their whole relationship, which was fast. They were just together for a little over a year, and just how Snyder was actually very money-hungry, trying to preserve all the money that he could instead of, you know, having a big old wedding, which is fine if you want to have, like, a $1 wedding, that's up to you. I'm just saying that... I don't know what I'm saying. Anyways, moving on. In 1979, she was actually named Miss August, which is an awesome achievement, and she definitely deserved it. Again, if you Google Dorothy Stratton, you can just see how naturally beautiful and radiant this girl was. On top of that, she was actually very poised, very professional, and just overall a good person. She almost was Playmate of the Year in 1979, but Hefner decided that she was just too young and wasn't ready for the title yet. But now she was officially a Playboy Bunny and worked at the mansion for a whole year. And then, in 1980, our girl is named Playmate of the Year. Which, for these playmates who work their asses off every single day for their job, is one of the highest achievements in the industry. From just becoming a bunny to immediately becoming Miss August, and then becoming Playmate of the Year in a quick span of two years? Amazing. Extravagant. Ugh, her mind. If you do have the free time today, whenever this airs, I would recommend watching her acceptance speech for the award and just kind of feeding off how excited and how happy she was to be named Playmate of the Year, because it really is just such a big accomplishment, and my heart does ache for her. Obviously, this is a true crime podcast, and I'm not going to pretend like she isn't the victim of this entire story but it is really exciting to see someone like that be able to win. In her acceptance speech, um, I should mention she thinks Hugh and her photographer the most out of anyone. And that kind of pissed off the old hub, who felt like he was losing control of his trophy pet. That's kind of how I would at least describe how he kind of like groomed her and kind of tried to show her off. As soon as she became a bunny, Snyder just kind of treated her like a cash cow and just really kind of leached off her, but he also owned another business. Uh, It's actually Chippendales. Yeah, Chippendales. You know, that restaurant. He and a partner founded Chippendales, but he was shortly kicked off of the company for some reason. And, fun fact, Hugh Hefner actually tried to sue him for stealing, like, the costume concept of Chippendales, which if you haven't heard of Chippendales, I'm not going to explain it, but just go ahead and Google it. If you're under the age of 18, don't Google it. But if you're over, have fun, do it. So as Stratton became more well-known and loved, Snyder actually became less in control of her. The person who started to take more control over Stratton, though, was actually Hefner, who became more of like a father figure to Stratton, which just feels weird coming out of my mouth, 
but I'm not gonna think about it too much. Uh, Hugh himself actually said that there was a friendship between us. It wasn't romantic. This was not a very loose lady, which is just, I don't know. It's just so, man, he was a, he had a way with words. Am I right? So Hugh really did care for Stratton and did want her to succeed in her field and eventually helps her cross over from being a model to also becoming an actress. She was in, and wait, there's like a lot of stuff she was in, Americathon, Americathon, yeah, it's Americathon, Skate Town USA, Unborn, and her first and only starring role in the parody film called Galaxania. She also appeared in They All Laughed, which was released after her death. She was also in a few TV shows like Fantasy Island and Buck Rogers in the 25th century. So, you could say she was a pretty busy gal. When she was 20 years old and during the casting for They All Laughed, she actually met a man who she would soon begin an affair with, the 41-year-old director of They All Laughed named, hold out for me here, Peter... Bogdanovich, who, for obvious reasons, I'm just going to call Peter, because Bogdanovich, I don't think I'm saying it right. Okay, anyways, <laughs> it was described that during work, it was impossible for them to keep the affair a secret. They were both super flirty and just gravitated towards each other. Despite having affairs before, Hefner described Peter and Stratton's relationship that it was important to him and he just really cared about their relationship. Snyder kind of caught wind of this affair, but however, in past movies and TV shootings, he was crazy and he was constantly berating her during filming and was just a total dick to literally everyone in the cast and in the crew. Nobody really liked this guy, so he was barred from going to film shootings. Along with this, Snyder would freak out whenever Stratton would ask for more freedom from her spouse, who, who she already never got to see due to conflicting work schedules. Around this time, that's whenever talks of divorce actually began to kind of be exchanged between Snyder and Stratton. So now Paul was losing his wife, losing his money, as he would only get half of the income in the divorce, and he was also being blackballed and just distrusted by everyone in the field. In a crazy fit of anxiety and rage, he did hire a PI, a 26-year-old freelance detective named Mark Goldstein. I would like to reiterate that Snyder was freaking the hell out. He was really heartbroken by his Stratton and really tried to prove that he had changed for her and even tried to take her out to lunch on August 8th. However, after lunch, Stratton confessed her love for Paul and wanted to get a financial settlement. She then took some of her clothes and just left the house. Now things kind of start to go downhill further than what they were earlier. Now around this time, things really started to go downhill as Snyder purchased a gun under the claims that he wanted to take up hunting. His friends all believed that that was weird as he had never mentioned hunting before. But Snyder was a weird guy, so they just kind of dismissed it. Stratton then scheduled a meeting with Snyder at his apartment under the impression that they would discuss a settlement agreement. Even though her lawyer suggested they came with, she told him not to, saying that he would feel ambushed. She went over to his place the morning of August 14th, 1980, and Goldstein, who was still telling her, clocked her into the house at 12.30 p.m. 
at first Goldstein called Snyder to see how things were going and at first Snyder did pick up and say that things were going fine but Goldstein never heard from him again. Paul's roommates came home around 7 p.m. after Stratton kind of told them that everything was going great and that they were going to make up and that they were going to be together finally. So whenever Paul's roommates came home and saw Stratton's car and Snyder's door was closed, they assumed that he was right and that they were um, making up. While all this was going on, Stratton's little sister Lucille was actually waiting for her sister to come back and pick her up for some shopping. Whenever suspicions started to arise, Snyder's roommate actually decided it was time to check on the couple. Upon opening the door, they discovered the bodies of Dorothy Stratton and Paul Snyder, both killed by a gunshot and a murder-suicide. The scene was described as horrific, as Stratton was killed by a gunshot to the back of the head and Snyder was killed by a gunshot through the roof of the mouth. One of the big implications of Playboy was that a woman could be possessed, and apparently that is what Paul decided to be true. Stratton had, of course, been sodomized either before or after her death, and her body was moved post-gunshot. There were also bloody handprints on her butt and left leg, which implicated that there was some... I don't know if I would call it sexual assault. If she's dead, is it still sexual assault? Or is that just gross i'm just i'm just gonna move on i'll figure it out but why am i laughing after her death peter bogdanovich tried it issued a statement that wrote as follows dorothy stratton was as gifted and intelligent an actress as she was beautiful and she was very beautiful indeed in every way imaginable most particularly in her heart she and i fell in love during our picture and have planned to be married as soon as her divorce was final the loss to her mother and father, her sister and brother, to my children, to her friends, and to me is larger than we can calculate. But there is no life Dorothy's touch that has not been changed for the better through knowing her, however briefly. Dorothy looked at the world with love and believed that all people were good down deep. She was mistaken, but it is among the most generous and noble errors we can make. And that is the story of Dorothy Stratton. The Playboy Bunny, an actress who was killed by a jealous and vindictive man. Of course, she was remembered for being a woman who became a ticket to the top for Snyder, who was a new star to mold for Hefner, and was young and naive and teachable actress to Bognovich, who did truly love her. I am, however, going to choose to remember her as a beautiful model and a talented actress who earned her coin and did not deserve to be treated like a prop in someone else's story but that she deserved to be the hero in her own. Also, while I have you here, um, don't look down on these models. Just don't. Like, if you don't feel comfortable with their lifestyle, that's a you problem. They're just here to make their own money. I don't know, I'm just, I've just been feeling like that lately. I feel like there's a lot of judgment, especially in the, in the sex work industry. I don't think that, I don't think that anything's wrong with what they're doing. I just think that people need to let people live which is kind of how I've always lived my life, so. I am happy to get to learn the story of Dorothy Stratton, who was a, like a beautiful soul inside and out and who was taken from the world way too quickly. Whatever you take from the story, I really do just hope that it is that these models deserve to be respected, whether it's a Playboy model or an e-girl model or just, you know, any type of porn model, like, 
they still deserve to be treated with respect and they still deserve to be treated with dignity. Now, to talk about a good thing. (sighs) What is a good thing this week? A good thing this week is I feel very privileged to have the life that I do. Lately, I've been super overworked and tired and stressed out, but you know what? I have fun things that I'm doing. I get to write for my school newspaper. I get to write for Her Campus, which is an awesome collegiate magazine. Check it out, Her Campus SFA. It's really awesome. I get to do this super fun podcast that I'm literally dedicating like six or seven hours a week to doing. It's just, I'm also, you know, just in case my dad's listening, I'm also doing my classwork or whatever. But I really am having fun with what I'm doing right now, and I really am blessed to be stressed out, if that makes any sense. I am I'm blessed to get to live a life where I get to work towards an end goal, whether it be to make a fun podcast, whether it be to become a famous journalist, or whether it be to just, you know, become a human. I'm excited about the future, and I'm excited that I get to have stuff to worry about. And with that, I'm going to end this fourth episode of Up at Night. Thank you so much for listening. If you listened all the way to the end, make sure to follow my Instagram and Twitter accounts. It's not gravy. That's Gracie with a V, if you did not know. And I will talk to you next time I can't sleep. Bye, guys.